Welcome to Ignite, an original podcast from Design Sensory Intelligence. This is a podcast for business pros like you, from sports and entertainment to travel and tourism, financial services to economic development and more. We uncover relevant, timely information that will help keep you at the fore of consumer behavior understanding. Our host, Chris Wise, the brains behind Ignite, has been deeply committed to research, insights, and innovation for over 30 years. He knows the right questions to ask and, more importantly, what to do with the answers. Get ready for the engaging, in-depth conversations with industry leaders that will inspire you to take action and connect with your audience on real human terms. This is Ignite, the spark to light your fire. Welcome to Ignite, where we have the opportunity to talk with subject matter experts about important and compelling marketing communications and brand equity issues. Specifically, we delve into incredible tools and disciplines for audience understanding, identification, behaviors, and ways to properly engage them at every touch point. Today, we are pleased to be joined by Tracy Stuckrath, founder of Thrive Meetings and Events. Tracy, welcome. Hi, Chris. How are you? Great, great, great. Sun is shining, falls in the air. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> I know. I can't wait to see what the windows open. Oh, this would be a good night to do that here. Maybe even a little chilly. Yeah, I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for thanks for joining us. And uh, while we haven't known each other too long, we do share some common goals and drive for opening the minds and the hearts of the world toward true inclusivity. You bring a uniquely different perspective to the diversity, equity, and inclusion discussion, an area that is too often overlooked and even the most basic offerings. So first, tell us about yourself, include what your day-to-day looks like, and go from there. Yeah, so I, like you said, I'm the founder of Thrive Meetings and Events, and I started that 12 years ago because I'm a person with food allergies. And I'm also a meeting planner, and I couldn't eat at the 100-plus events that I was planning a year, nor the events that I was attending. So I decided to start a company. At the time, I said I wanted to feed everyone, um, make the world healthier one event at a time. And over the last 12 years, that's the back end has kind of changed, or that little thought has kind of changed to be safe, sustainable, and inclusive. And because dietary needs covers that as well. I've learned that over the 12 years that it really is about inclusion at the dinner table. Um, In 2020, when COVID hit and my industry tanked, (laughs) I needed to do something with my time. So I started a Facebook group called Eating at a Meeting. And with that, I started doing Facebook lives and which then turned into the Eating at a Meeting podcast. And so I've been doing that now for two and almost two and a half years now, got 158 episodes published, which blows my mind. But my day to day, well, I got up and I got on a plane today and flew back to North Carolina, having attended a food allergy conference. But I'm constantly looking for speakers for my podcast. I'm looking for speaking opportunities and consulting opportunities with meeting planners and organizations that host meetings. And it doesn't have to be a convention. Hmm. It can be your staff meeting. It could be your sales team meeting. It can be the CEO executives having lunch, right? And because when we sit down and break bread together, it's really important to make sure that everybody feels comfortable and safe at the table. Wow. How much do you travel each year? Well, it's starting to pick up since COVID, but I'd say probably two weeks a month. That's what I was doing beforehand. And it and it's going to conferences speaking and trying to get out there and spread the word. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. You know, we do a lot of research with the American adult population, including our commitment to furthering the discipline of enlightened marketing, which captures true inclusivity. 
you're passionate about and you champion the cultural shift of enlightenment engagement, especially as social empathy grows. What do you see happening with venues and organizations on this front in relation to your specific focus? Well, I think it's not as progressed as what the work that you do is, you know, is getting individuals into the different venues, but I do see there's a lot more vegan and vegetarian options at places. There some um venues do have some food allergic friendly options for people to eat, but I so I, I think it's starting to grow and and get a lot more prevalent. I think the rise in, in in the number of individuals who have different dietary restrictions like food allergies and celiac disease is actually really warranting a lot of um, venues, whether it's a sports arena, hotel, convention center, to actually add more options. But I think there's still a lot more growth in that and, and a lot more opportunity. How can we do our, our business? Uh, we do a lot of uh, meetings and events and activations, and there's always food involved. I don't know if we do a good job in, in really understanding everything you're talking about. How do we go about, you know, not just at the, at the food provider level, but those of us who are planning like you like you plan, how do we really instill that thought to be part of our, our day-to-day thought process when we are planning these events and, and making them happen? The first thing to do is just ask and you're saying, hey, we're planning a meeting and we want to make sure that we've got options for everyone. So can you please share with us any dietary restrictions, dietary needs that you have? And the way that I like to teach it to meeting organizers is the fact that eating actually as of yesterday or yesterday, 14 years ago, was the ADA was amended. The Americans with Disabilities Act was amended. And with that, the word eating and breathing and all of our bodily functions were added to the list of major life activities. So when you're doing an event registration form, especially if you're going to an offsite venue, you need to make sure that the venue is accessible to everyone that's attending, whether that's, you know, utilizing a wheelchair or if they have food allergies. So understanding what dietary needs that you have going into planning the menu can actually help you instead of just saying, hey, Chris, here's your plate that accommodates your need. How can you plan the menu so that it is inclusive to everyone across the board. So if say you have a wheat allergy or a shellfish allergy, can you make the entire event shellfish free, right? And then that alleviates that 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 accommodation for you while also making the event accessible for everyone. So first thing first is asking the question of your participants. And then the second one is asking the, the question of your venues and your catering teams of what are your capabilities? And what do you know? And and how many of your team members have been trained on food allergens, right? So asking that question. But I think the next step then is designing the menus to make sure that they're free of some of these allergens to make it a moot point in having even to design the menu so that you're not having to hand out specialty plates and worrying that, Chris, you're only going to get a carrot because you're you've got a food allergy. I'm only getting a carrot. Okay. You're only getting a carrot. I know. That doesn't sound, I mean, if you were a rabbit, that would be really good, but. (laughs) Really. What if you're, what if it's a situation where you can't ask? Like, for example, when we met, we saw buffet line upon buffet line of, of, uh, of all kinds of different offerings. But we also know that 
we didn't re really necessarily know what any of the ingredients were in many of those cases. So if you're not able to ask, what's the best way to, do you have a best way to, to deal with that? And I'm thinking, you know, in events like that, where it is just a lot of buffet offerings, or again, we have activations and we're on site and people will come up, will we'll have no idea who would, would show up. They just show up. So yeah, help me with that part. Where we met, I mean, I would have liked the organization to have asked us the questions in advance and then planned with the hotel, you know, to make those accommodations and to really provide better labeling on them. And in some instances, there wasn't even enough food for everybody that was there. But actually, this conference I just attended, um, I love the fact that they gave, they worked with the hotel to, and all of the restaurants in the, in the property to offer allergen-friendly options and labeled the different meals and actually provided a separate menu for each one of those hotels or for those restaurant hotels, um, but also providing what's around you in the community. The people don't have to stay there for lunch, you know, give them some options to go off site and find something. And, and I went to Whole Foods and I went to Sweet Greens, I think, and found some meals that were that were good for me to do that. But on the fly, and as you know, with the work that you do, providing accommodations, and especially under the Americans with Disabilities Act, we do they do have an obligation to provide a reasonable accommodation. So saying, hey, who is who is somebody in the hotel that you can work with? to get a meal, right? Giving that them a point, a point person and or somebody that's with the event, you know, to give them a point person to say, hey, I need, this is not going to work for me. Um, can, what can we do on the fly? No, just a whole lot to think about when I, um, as you were talking, I was thinking about, I was a, a, I, um, on a panel, a webinar panel on Friday, and one of the participants is deaf. And thinking if that if she was deaf and had food allergies, it was hard enough when she goes to a hotel. She said she can't, the only way to order food is to pick up the phone, which can't happen for her in a hotel if you want to order room service. So she'd have to go down in her jammies and order food. And uh, so if you think of that, along with food allergies, that's a, the, 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 the challenges are great. This is, I guess, where, where mm -hmm. my head's at for everyone to, to think about. As you look forward in your work, what breakthroughs have you seen? Where do you see, where's your hope? My hope is that venues start to label first and foremost. And, and, and I think one of the parts is that they're scared right? This is an open environment. We're cooking all of these different things, but can you create a separate kitchen to that produces allergy free, free from food? And, and actually, again, at this conference the other day, this graduate student was talking about this school that she redesigned and a couple of questions from the audience is like, well, what about the kitchen? And she didn't have to do the actual kitchen, but a woman in the audience brought up a really good suggestion. She's like, go to a synagogue and talk to them because they actually have to have two kitchens in the synagogue to make meals that are, keep the meat and the, and the dairy separate, right. you know, and to look and see how they did that. And I thought that was really hmm. a great way to look at it and to get some inspiration from that. And there are some hotels that have kosher kitchens and the regular non-kosher kitchen, you know, that you can do those things with. But I think breakthroughs is, is a lot of technology. There are a lot of people in the food allergy world and the vegan world that are creating apps to look at an ingredient or look, you know, a prepackaged food, especially, and be able to tell whether it's got the food in it um, and to actually share your different dietary restrictions with someone else. My friend, Kyle Dine has a company called Equal Eats, and he has designed these, it's a credit card size card, plastic, and he will translate it to, for you in more than 80 different languages. So if you're traveling around the world, you can actually show it 
to the waiter and he's proofed it and reproofed it with common language for the waiters to understand in their own native language. So some of those breakthrough things I think are really good. I met a woman um, that's designing a technology that you can actually put it on the food and the and it will tell you if your allergen is in it. There's been a couple of those that have come out um, and that they're really progressing. But I think the biggest part is labeling and with the hot with the hospitality industry right now, we're short staffed. They could probably say, "Hey, we don't have the time to do this." But on the front end, I think spend the time to do that so that it's already labeled and your diners and your meeting planners can read it without having to go back and forth with lots of questions because you don't have the time to to finalize and customize all these menus. Mm. Are there lots of people like you that do what you do? No. 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 I wish there were. There's some companies out there um, that do some certifications in venues to make sure that they're free from, dedicated free from experiences, but really teaching the etiquette and the dignity around accommodating food allergies. Actually, I'm going to correct myself. There are a lot of parents that are humongous advocates for their kids and they are fighting for rights in schools um, daycares, my friend, um, Thomas, his son passed away. The daycare center knew he was allergic to milk and they felt fed him a green gr- grilled cheese sandwich. And now he's started the Elijah foundation and he's actually instituted laws in a couple of States to make sure that daycare centers are trained in food allergies. So that's progressing, but not in this corporate world. How do you multiply yourself? <laughs> Um, I, I think I need to t- talk to Elon Musk or somebody or, you know, people who are cloning pigs. And I don't think Elon Musk is doing that. But, you know, whoever is cloning animals for future food. But I actually have an online course called Every Meal Matters, and it's going to relaunch. Um, the next rendition will come out next month in October um, 2022. And just educating planners on knowing, right? There, and there's a lot of behind the scenes, like you mentioned. There's behind the scenes with laws, there's behind the scenes with just accessibility, getting to and from venues and things like that. Because food has a humongous part in our world and no one should be excluded from an event because they have to eat a specific way so they don't die. And we just need to train people. So look in the crystal ball of your career. What's it look like down the road? That I am hired more and more um, to do DEI, food and beverage training and that companies are instituting that into their organizations. I've got two clients that I'm going to I'm working with on that and that we've got more meeting planners, more event organizers and there's a lot of event organizers that are administrative assistants and that's not, you know, and that's a core of their job and you know getting them more involved in that and understanding the needs of it, but I think it's doing a lot more consulting and even more speaking than I do. Okay. What could, I'll say just national chain restaurants or local chains, what could they do to help further the cause or the understanding, if anything? Or And then oh, the other question I had, have you had any pushback in your, as it relates to your evangelism? Oh, yeah. All right. We'll go to the first one first. So every restaurant to, to be open, you have to have 
you know, you have to get inspected by the health inspector and you have to have, there have to be people in the back of the house that are serve safe trained. Um, there is a serve safe certification that's outside of that food handler card. Have your staff go through that front of the house and the back of the house. And there's, to me, get those two groups to, together and chat. There's a big disconnect in a lot of places that the sh- this is the kitchen and this is the front of the house. You're a full team. And to me, your back of the house is no better than the front of your house. Because if your servers don't understand what they're serving and how they're your salespeople. They're your first impression, right? And if they don't know your restaurant and how you do work, you're going to lose business. A couple of statistics on that is that 65% of restaurant owners, and this comes from allergic and celiac, gluten-free and allergic-free passport, 65% of restaurant owners find that the allergy-free and gluten-free market is a profitable market. But 83% of people with dietary restrictions will not go back to a restaurant if they have a bad experience. But 91% of them will come back if they have a great experience. So think about how much more revenue and seats and chairs that you can get, especially if you have options for them because their meals, they usually spend a lot less money. And if you have options that meet their needs, they're going to spend more money and they're going to come back more often. Um, So that's that restaurant issue. And then um, pushback on what I do. Yes, is the answer to that. I do get, I have been recognized since I started almost every year for the work that I'm doing by the meetings industry. And I so appreciate the the kudos for that, but it it is hard and it's, it's not an easy task to figure this out. I just want people to walk in people's shoes. And as you do, right, understanding how to get into a building, how to, can somebody hear the, the, speaker, right? Or getting into a venue with a wheelchair. Can they have early access to that? But it's also is like the food and beverage. And so to me, food and beverage is the is the number one expenditure and expenditure of an event. And it's also the thing that's thought about the least amount because they can check off a box. Hey, I'm going to order the deli sandwiches today, or I'm going to order the Italian tomorrow. But, and that's all they do. And they wait till the last minute to do that because it's easy because we just think that it's there. But there's got to be so much more thought about food and beverage when you're ordering, especially now people want to know where their food comes from. They're really concerned about their health. And there's a lot of people who could die from what you're serving if you don't pay attention. What level and organization do you get that pushback? Does it know any bounds? Is it any any and all? It's any and all. Yeah. I think actually chefs want the creativity. They want to have that, you know, that option. So if you can get to the chefs, and that chef is willing to chat with you, I think they're going to be, you know, they would love the challenge of creating something that's free of. And and actually this conference, I just came back from the food allergy summit from FAIR. They made an entire buffet for 500 people that was free of all top nine allergens, which was wheat, soy, dairy, shellfish, um, fish, tree nuts, peanuts, sesame, and egg. It was the 15 food items on that buffet were free of all of those things. And it was, it was good. It was good. It was delicious food. So it can be done. Uh, creativity gets in the way. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Creativity. And I think, and fear does too, Chris. Uh, sure. I think fear, like, I don't want to harm somebody. I get that. But just ask ask some questions, pick up the telephone and ask some questions. What can I do? How can I make you feel more comfortable? How can I help you feel safe? Right. And can you find a little space in your kitchen to do something that's, you know, in a different pot, in a different knife, in a cutting board, things like that. 
Yeah, fear and and just lack of understanding is true across all of the inclusivity conversation. Um, it's yeah. it's people that just either don't have a sense to open their 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 minds and hearts, or because they just do what they've always done and don't have to think about it. But it but it is that lack of openness that that gets in the way so so often around all of this discussion. Jesse, you were looking forward to this conversation. Do you have any specific questions? I was curious about holidays and getting together with family and. I don't have any food allergies, and I know very few people with food allergies just because my family doesn't have any. How would people bring up that conversation? Thanksgiving comes to mind because there's lots of nuts involved in the foods at Thanksgiving, Mm -hmm. and peanut butter is like a holiday flavor. How do you address that? I think, again, it's just asking the questions because you don't know. I mean, my friend Jill... She used to go home for Thanksgiving and the holidays, and she's been she was had been a vegetarian for twenty five years, and her family put bacon bits on everything. <laughs> it's also, and I think this works works in the workplace too, Jesse, is that you can, hey, does anybody want to help plan this meeting, plan the meals? Talk to that person who has the food allergies and have them bring a dish or two that meets their needs, right? But everybody could also eat as well. Maybe put some of the things on the side if you can. I mean, you can't take the pecans out of pecan pie, but, also, make, also making some labels, right, for some of the things that say, hey, this contains nuts or and, and also making sure that maybe some of those dishes are on a separate table. So that cross contact, because we all, you know, you pick up a spoon and you might put it in to two different dishes at the same time, which drives me bonkers in general, maybe figuring that out. But also just I, I think it really does come down to asking the questions and a lot of parents have these struggles when they go to grandparents' house or they go to their cousins' houses, right? It's understanding and it's just, they need to share what they need and we need to be open to hearing it. Another question I have, sensory issues with food. Mm-hmm. Do you do a lot of work with that? Like we have a coworker here whose son doesn't eat anything and it's all sensory issues. Mm-hmm. I don't really? even know how you would address that at like a sports stadium so sensory, like texture and or the smell. Some of it's texture. Other things is just he mm-hmm. will only eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich most days. I mean, you can go into stadiums if you've got food allergies. You you can bring your own food in for that reason, for specific reasons. But it's a really good question. It's figuring this, figuring out what they need and asking and and allowing them to bring in that food. And it's even sensory of, you know, the spaces that you're having meetings and events. You know, if you're having a huge banquet and you've got all these lights glowing up and, and, and what can we do to minimize that? But somebody needs to tell them in advance, right? Hey, can you tell me about the room, right? What do you, what options do you have or whatever? But that's a really good question. I've not approached that, but even this past week at this food allergy conference, this little girl, well, two stories, one server told me this the other night. He's like, A kid walked through, he was 19 years old and he had never eaten outside of his house because he was too scared. And this was the first meal he'd ever had prepared by somebody besides somebody in his family. And, and the wait waiter was blown away. And then another girl who was 14 or 15 had the same thing. And then the chef had to sit down with another little girl who was just scared to death because she had so many allergies and she was so scared to eat food made by somebody besides her mom. And so to me, Jesse, that actually kind of, kind of comes into that sensory thing as well, because seeing that and, and not knowing what's in the food can trigger a lot of emotional impact. So providing labeling of what's in the food and, and having conversations or sending out information that they can read or meeting with the chef 
I think those can help eliminate some of those sensory things as well. Okay, thank you. <laughs> and I had one, welcome. One other, one other thought. In we're also trying to have people in their marketing and advertising to be inclusive, and that's you know show everyone. Show don't don't show the quote perfect person. Show everyone. Bring everyone to the table, both in in what is visually seen and the people that are helping put it together in, in hiring. Um, what you deal, what you deal with is really an invisible, um, disability of which there are more of those than there are visible disabilities. I'm sitting here trying to think of how do we incorporate that or can we in our just day to day, unless it deals specifically with food. I don't know if we can, but you have any thoughts around that? That just came to mind in some of the things that we're trying to, to move forward. Yeah, that's a really good question. Cause you know, in an image, you can't really show, Hey, this person's got a food allergy, right? Cause I'm, I'm not wearing a badge and I don't want to wear a badge and I shouldn't have to wear a badge, but and it makes me think of people who are blind, right? And you show, you're showing a picture of a of an elevator or the braille on a window, right? Can you, if you're in a cafeteria, can you show the labeling on the food, right? So that maybe you, they've used icons or they say it contains gluten or dairy-free, things like that. So if you're in that kind of an environment of a rush somewhere that the, their food is there, showing how the food is labeled to me would be a way to incorporate that dietary need into that, into those images. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Subtle detail, but yeah, important. And, and it, Mm hmm. Yeah. Because you're looking at signage thinking at a baseball stadium, right? You know, or can you do it on the event if you've got somebody holding their phone, right? And they're picking a restaurant, right? And that maybe they've got it and they're showing the image of trying to find that restaurant and looking for reviews or how it's coded, you know, doing something like that. But it would be subtle or, you know, showing them having their epic carrying their EpiPen in their pocket, right? That could be potentially be a way to do that. Or their Avicue, there's a couple of different versions of that. And I think the Epic, the EpiPen is a lot more well-known in its look than the Avicue is because it looks more like a credit card and it could hide in a back pocket. But a lot of kids or individuals with food allergies carry fanny packs, you know, so that could be, you know, they could have a fanny pack on with that, with their EpiPen coming out of it or, you know, something like that. So this is a case where you even have to educate producers, executive producers yeah. and, and, and the and the likes within within that whole world mm -hmm. never thought of it before today to that extent in 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 us being a step removed from you know day to day eating but fits nicely into what yeah. we've been trying to share with people Tracy I can't thank you enough for for taking the time you know barely getting in the door from <laughs> from a flight early flight home from Orlando I do look forward to our journey together and in, in the in the work we're doing in, in true inclusivity I hope we uh, hope we talk a lot and and help a lot of people. I do too, Chris. Thank you so much for the opportunity to speak with you on this podcast. And thank all of you for listening to Ignite, a podcast from Design Sensory Intelligence. If you want to know more about the various ways we gain intelligence about audiences and turn that intelligence into solid marketing solutions and how to understand the position your organization holds in the minds and hearts of all people, just send a note to me, Chris Wise. Till next time, stay wise. Thank you for listening to Ignite, a podcast from Design Sensory Intelligence. If you want to learn more, head to designsensoryintel.com. Until next time, continue your pursuit of quenching your unending thirst for intelligent understanding of human consuming behavior.